Please take your seats. The performance is about to begin. Welcome to Seats on the Aisle, a podcast produced by Theatre Lawrence. I'm your host, Executive Director Jamie Ulmer. This is Season 1, Episode 4, for our production of Dead Man's Cell Phone. In Act 2, we talk to Natalie Crandall, who plays Jean, the woman who embarks on a surreal adventure after answering a ringing cell phone. But first, let's bring up the lights on Act 1. Picture a world where a ringing cell phone becomes the unexpected gateway to a story filled with mystery, humor, and a touch of the surreal. That is the world of Dead Man's Cell Phone. Written by acclaimed playwright Sarah Rule, Dead Man's Cell Phone premiered in 2007 at the Woolly Mammoth Theatre Company in Washington, D.C. The play quickly gained attention for its innovative approach to storytelling, and it would transfer to Off-Broadway's Playwrights Horizon in 2008. Since its premiere, Dead Man's Cell Phone has enjoyed successful productions at various theaters across the U.S. and around the world. The play's exploration of modern communication, connection, and the impact of technology on human relationship allows the story to connect with audiences in unexpected ways. Sarah Rule, born in Chicago in 1974, is a two-time Pulitzer Prize finalist, known for her unique and imaginative theatrical works. Her plays include The Clean House, Eurydice's, and In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play. She has established herself as an innovative voice in contemporary drama. In this show, our main character, Jean, takes us on a journey that starts with a simple act, answering a ringing cell phone in a quiet cafe. Jean quickly finds herself drawn into the life of Gordon, the deceased owner of the ringing cell phone. As she navigates through the lives of Gordon's family and friends, the play unfolds almost like a puzzle, revealing the complexities of relationships and the blurred lines between truth and fiction, and the ways in which technology shapes our understanding of love and loss. This is a show that might make you do some thinking. But of course, the dark comedy can be enjoyed as simply a surrealist adventure, but we hope that you will find the themes of communication, connection, and lies. In fact, Rule described the play as being full of untruths and red herrings. It is meant to be about many things all at once, she said, and maybe about nothing. How's that for preparing you for a night at the theater? The show is directed by Pete Kanish and includes a cast of nine. Act one runs approximately 55 minutes, and act two runs approximately 58 minutes. There is a 15-minute intermission. Dead Man's Cell Phone is appropriate for more mature audiences due to subject matter and language. This is the first time Theater Lawrence has produced the script. Now, let's dive into Act Two. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Of course, happy to be here. All right, so let's dive into Dead Man's Cell Phone. Um, how, how would you describe this show? Um, well, our sound guru, Bob Newton, sat through rehearsal last night, and at the end, it was just dead silent, and he goes, weird. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely weird, um, but there's moments of, like, there's funny moments, but, like, surprisingly deep moments. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely ups and downs, 
all over the place. It's entertaining but introspective. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be thinking about this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so bring your thinking cap with you. Yes. To to kind of process. It's not a. It's, this is not a brainless sitcom. Correct. Yeah. Open mind, <laughs> thinking cap. Somehow make them work. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, tell us about the character that you play in the show. Um, yes, I play Jean. And she's very reserved, um, quiet, uh, kind of like a live and let live type of girl. Um, she's okay with being alone, I think, because that's all she's really known mm-hmm. in adulthood. And so, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of myself in Jean, which is kind of concerning. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you, you take uh, cell phones and just run with it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I steal um, the deceased cell phones, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so talk a little bit. Jean goes on quite the journey yes. um, emotionally and just plot-wise. Yeah. Um, as an actor, how did you go about preparing for this role? Honestly, um, getting this role was a shock. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was not prepared, but I'm, I'm very, very happy that I was cast. Uh-huh. Um, this is like the first like big role I've had like in six years mm. since mm. my like my return to the, the <laughs> stage. Um, so yeah, I've had my nose in my script since day one. Um, yeah, I've, I'm saying my lines in the shower, in the car. I'm really thinking about what this person would do in this situation. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking to the director Pete a lot, talking to the other people in the cast. So a lot of communication and just absorbing the script. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, you're on stage, not mm-hmm. the entire show, yeah. um, but for a, a, most of the show. Yeah, I'm on stage for all pages except for four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those four pages is a monologue that yeah. somebody else has. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's like you know, I, I love Ryan. Um, it's his monologue, but I'm gonna be uh, rehydrating and going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> your bathroom break, break yes. in the show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So. You, you said that this is your first time kind of coming back in, yeah. in six years. You, yeah. you, you know, so um, talk to us about maybe some of the other roles that you've played or um, that really stand out to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, six years ago, the the winter, you know, January show, I played Beverly in uh, Miracle on South Division Street, and that was also a leap for me because there was only four of us in the cast. And I'd never been in a cast that small. Mm. I had never had that many lines before. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my last big speaking foray. I've done like musicals here and there, like Rocky and Catch Me If You Can. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the that's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and so, but a lot of people would recognize you if they are the sneaky type who turns around. Oh no! Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. they, they'd recognize you from uh, seeing your your face in the booth. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, stage managing and running the light board um, mostly uh-huh, the last uh-huh. couple of years instead of being on stage. So. Yeah, this, it's very different being on the other side of the table. I forgot how weird it is to be on stage. <laughs> Instead of the ones like, yes, you missed this line. Yeah. Okay, making a note about that. <laughs> yeah, is, is the stage manager in, in your brain going, oh, wait, what? That? Yes. No, and it's been very hard to turn that off. Uh, like our first rehearsal in the theater, I set my stuff down in, in the section B, because that's where oh. I would usually put my stuff yes. and get ready to sit behind the table. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, that's not me this time. I have to go sit with the cast. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm making notes about, oh, 
okay, well, the light will be here, so I need to stand here and I'll give this line because it'll cue them and I got to do this, so it'll cue that, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only more actors would think a little bit more with a stage manager brain. You know, I think everyone should have to stage manage at least one show in their their acting careers. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Different appreciation for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think directors should have to stage manage oh, my too. Oh Yeah. Um, just because you just you appreciate things more yes. when you do that. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, yeah it's fun. But yeah. <laughs> Um, so outside of the theater, oh, what, what, what wacky adventures do you uh, get up to? Um, I love going to concerts. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I do. That's why I work to afford my concert habit. <laughs> um, I do that a lot. I go to a lot of like metal and goth shows. Mm. So yeah, I don't look like your typical like metalhead goth girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be front row headbanging with everyone else <laughs> um, and paying for it dearly the next day. <laughs> But yeah, I like to go to concerts. I love to travel. Um, I've really started to enjoy like solo travel. Mm. Um, I've gone to Canada a couple times by myself. It's been great. I've got a, my, my very dear friend lives up in Canada in Montreal. Mm. So I like to go visit her. Um, but yeah, I'll, or I'll stay at home with my cats and cross stitch. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah multifaceted woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so back to the show. This is one of those shows that really. I feel like it starts off as one thing. Like you're mm. watching it, and you're like, okay, this is a traditional comedy, um, and then it zigzags into something else yes. completely. Um, and while still being entertaining, um, it also really, like you said earlier, has something to say that you, you should yeah. bring your thinking caps uh, with you. Um, so, what does this show say to you? And what are you kind of hoping an audience takes away from it? I. I connect a lot with this show because it does center around grieving and how people mourn. Mm. Um, And to me, this show says, yeah, it's okay to grieve and to mourn. And we all do it in our own ways. It's all part of the process. But also, don't be afraid to go out and live. Mm. there's, there's There's a time for it. And we will carry, you know, that sorrow with us. But as time progresses you can move on and you, you don't have to feel guilty for moving on. Mm. And um, now, you know, it's 2024. Everyone is leaving a digital legacy behind oh, for true. their loved ones yeah. to revisit. And so, everybody, you know, almost everyone's got a Facebook page. Um, so now that you can turn those into like uh, memorial pages sure. through mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's that digital footprint that we all leave behind too that can be accessed via cell phones Mm -hmm, since mm -hmm. everybody's got the internet in their pocket now so yeah it's just an interesting conversation between the human act of of mourning a loss and how we remember it through technology Uh uh-huh so yeah 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 interesting yeah Yeah. it's it's deep it's layers man well it really (laughs) is well and like um uh your character gene really kind of gets sucked into this Yes. Adventure in this unexpected world. Oh, yeah. Um, just because she answers this cell phone that's yes. ringing. Yeah, she's very much disconnected from that side of the world until the cell phone rings. Yeah. And then she's in it, yeah. neck deep. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think she, because this is, isn't any spoilers, um, but you know, she keeps answering the phone and kind of pretending like she knew, knew this guy right. whose phone it is um, and connects with his family mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. business and so on. Why does why does she keep doing it as the show progresses? I I feel Jean is a very like empathetic like person and and she wants to connect 
all these people. She can pick up on these emotions from his family members and his friends. And she's like, oh, this is this is what I can do. I'm a people pleaser. I'm going to please these people. Oh, he said this. Now you're happy. You're not as empty. Oh, but he said this. And now you've made that connection. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what she's doing. And it just snowballs. And yeah gets out of control. <laughs> yeah, 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 because yeah, she really does. It, yes. It, you know, one little thing she says mm-hmm. then connects to something else and mm-hmm. she's like, oh. Yeah, the, uh, one, the one little white lie turns into a whole avalanche. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, because she's trying to to make these people feel better mm-hmm. oh, yeah, about them. their loss and mm-hmm. yeah, comfort them. Um, and comforting them just leads to one little thing after another. Yeah, to zany, zany adventures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, as we, as we wrap up, um, is there anything else you want to add about this show, about acting, oh um, about uh, the weather? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the weather. <laughs> Let's talk about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, I have just been so lucky to be cast um, with this amazing cast and Pete is just a phenomenal director. I have learned so much about the craft from him and just having such awesome people to, to play around with on stage every night has been great. And I, I really think it's going to come through in the show for mm-hmm. sure. So yeah, come see the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Natalie. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's time for the curtain call. Dead Man's Cell Phone runs two weeks, January 19th through the 21st and the 25th through the 28th. The box office is open weekdays from 11.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and one hour prior to performances. This show is made possible thanks to our associate co-producer, Advocacy Research Institute, and our performance sponsor, Clayton Wealth Partners. Opening night catering provided by Humble Donut. Coming up next on the Theatre Lawrence stage in February is our annual fundraising gala that we're calling the Tielathon. That is followed in March by Agatha Christie's A Murder is Announced, A Miss Marple Mystery. I'm Jamie Omer, and thank you for taking a seat on the aisle with us. <laughs> <laughs>